I think fear is one of the biggest mountains we face in our life. Mm -hmm. And I think it's one of the biggest weapons that the enemy throws at us as well uh, on our journeys. Um, Because fear can can be so crippling and fear can those the chains of fear can hold us back so much the fear of man the fear of of the future the fear of the unknown um, there are so many there are so many moments where fear um, can be the biggest mountain and, and i wanted to kind of take these words and and then flip them because what's so powerful about um, when god steps into the room is that he changes the story, you know, like fear turns into faith um, and doubt turns into love. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in for this week's episode of Trevor Talks. I'm your host, Trevor Tyson, and I'm so excited that each and every single one of you have joined us today for what I believe is going to be an inspiring, hopeful conversation, unless we butcher it, which I don't think we will, but you know what? We're not going to, so we're just going to leave it there. But I'm so excited to have this week's guest. He is a two-time Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter whom has worked alongside the likes of Lauren Daigle, Matt Redman, Chris Tomlin, Barbara Streisand, Natasha Bedingfield, Adina Menzel, and so many amazing artists. It's insane. But today we have the opportunity to hear from the man himself, which is such a unique thing. This guy doesn't do very many interviews. I don't know how we got on the list, but I'm grateful we did. Please help me welcome Mr. Jonas Myron. Jonas, welcome to the show. Hey, Trevor. Thanks so much for having me on today. Dude, of course. I'm like, you've got the hat in the cozy background and i'm just Dude. doing something like you're more professional at this than i am at this point <laughs> well you know what i think you're awesome and thanks so much for having me on um, well, thank you thank you so much really for the kind it. words yeah and you've been a part of so many amazing songs and it feels like i'd be doing a disservice to you myself and the audience if we didn't start off with just getting a brief introduction about you like not only as a writer and a singer songwriter but you as a person yeah, man. Where do you start? Like, I feel like my journey has been, has been a wild one, you know, like it's just amazing what God has done throughout this, you know, yeah, this journey has been amazing. I started, um, growing up, uh, in Sweden, it's kind of where my parents are from, but we, when I was three, we moved to Africa and, uh, did mission work out there. And, um, my parents are, just amazing where they would just kind of take me and my sister with them um, on a lot of these adventures. So we were were traveling with them when they did ministry everywhere from Lapland to Iceland to Russia uh, around the world. So I grew up uh, with this real kind of um, understanding of God is, is not just this religious thing. You go to church, it's an everyday life thing, you know, Mm -hmm. And seeing the power of God in my life, very like real, always praying for people and seeing healings and miracles happen from when I was a little boy. So I had this, this very, I guess, authentic, real, uh, um, upbringing that was kind of crazy at times too, you know, like, uh, I remember I was, I was driving through the desert of Africa, a car got stuck in the just middle in the of, desert of Africa. No yeah. Just no in the middle, deal. we were going <laughs> to Zimbabwe for a wedding. And I remember I was four years old and um, the car stopped because we had no gas and mom and dad were like, okay, 
what we got to do? Well, we have to go out and pray for the engine. <laughs> we literally laid hands on the engine. I will never forget this. I was four. And we went back into the car and the car started and we drove for hours with a gas meter on zero. I mean, how do you explain this stuff? Only God, right? And being a kid growing up like that in this, in this kind of wild, supernatural, uh, but very authentic way, um, was life-changing. And I look back on my life and the amazing things that have happened. I think those moments were just has anchored me and, and really made me who I am today, you know? Come on. Well, like, number one, in what world do you grow up in Sweden, then move to South Africa, and then, like, pray over a motor on the way to Zimbabwe? Like, all of these things are just crazy to hear, especially from someone who was born and raised in Georgia. I'm like, I've never been to South Africa or anything like that. So, like, it's already such a unique story. And in what world, like, for you being a little Swedish boy at the time, like, Grammy Awards, writing with some of the biggest names in music itself, not just Christian music, music, it had to be a dream that at some point in time, you're like, well, this is a dream. I don't know if it'll ever happen. But when it starts to transform into that, it's like, you see the power of God working through it. And it's not about the awards and everything. But it's like, at what point did this go from a dream to a reality for you? Oh, good question. I think being this kind of mission kid, uh, music was always something I did. Like I remember when I was 12 uh, or 11, I asked my parents before they would go on, um, you know, and do their sermon. I would say like, Hey, do you want a song for the altar call? I can write you an altar call song. And I would like take, I would take their like message and I would like turn it into a song. Um, and I would go up and sing it, you know, and it would be the most simple little songs, but it, they were always from the heart. So songwriting for me was something that I always did. And I never really even thought that this Swedish kid was going to, you know, write for these incredible uh, legends and, yeah. and influential people that uh, around the world where God has taken these songs, you know, like I was just in, in Italy uh, last month working with Andrea Bocelli for his new album. Wow. And it was just like one of those moments when you realize Music is such a powerful way to not just get into the room with someone, but to connect with someone's heart. And that was always, when I grew up, that was always how I saw songwriting. I saw songwriting as a way of service. It was a way of, this is how I can be a blessing. This is how I can serve um, and use the gift that God has given me. Um, and to this day, it's the same same thing. Nothing's changed. It's, all, it's still that thing like, hey, here I am use me, um, in whatever capacity of way that is, uh, let me be a blessing today using my gift with whoever I am. If it's writing a worship song or if it's writing a pop song, or is it just ministering to someone in the room that the engineer in the session or the artist or, you know, wherever, wherever I am. Yeah. And from 10,000 reasons with Matt Redman to our God with Chris Tomlin, there's so many songs that you've been a part of. And one thing that really just goes to my mind when I think of 10,000 Reasons is the clip that has gone viral several times of Matt leading it in New York City with just this flood of people. Mm. When you see things pop up, whether it's on TikTok or Instagram, and it's your song, 
How does that make you feel, especially like you were in the background of writing and crafting this thing together and seeing it make such a global imprint? It has to feel pretty humbling. Oh, Trevor, it's it's actually like unbelievable. Like I remember I was in Brazil because I always try to go to church on a Sunday wherever I am in the world. And even if that is just a a little local church in, in a different language, I will still try to go. And I was in Copacabana and I remember stepping into the back of in my flip-flops in, in Rio de Janeiro and uh, this little, small little local church. And I, was, I walk in the back and suddenly I hear 10,000 reasons in Portuguese uh, and they're singing my song and I'm standing there in the back and no one knows that I co-wrote this, you know, mm-hmm. they were just, I was just a tourist for them. And I stood there in the back worshiping and I just felt like this is, this is the power of music where suddenly the song you write is not even your own anymore, and no one even knows that you wrote it, but actually it's become their song. And I mm-hmm. looked at the crowd in the congregation that Sunday morning and, and these beautiful Brazilian people singing the song in their language uh, to their God. And, um, and I just felt so grateful. You know, this is, this is something that is the greatest honor, I think, as a songwriter and as an artist to be part of, is to see um, God breathe on something that we put out there, you know, because it's only by his anointing that these songs can go, you know, it's not that we're so talented. There's so many great songwriters out there in the world, but I think what is the difference between, you know, just a song and, and maybe an, an anthem is, is when God decides to breathe on it. And that's just by his grace that he's done that with these songs that I've been a part of. And I feel, you know, that's still my prayer every day when I'm, when I'm in the studio, God, like, you would breathe on this and you, you would bless it uh, because that is when, when he's going to truly be able to make a difference in this world. Wow. That's so good. And when it comes down to it, whether you're co-writing for another person's music or writing for your singles that you put out, is there a difference in the songwriting process for you? Or is this something that you've found like what works with you and the gift that God's given you to build almost a formula for yourself to be able to write no matter what capacity the same way? Yeah, that's a good question, Trevor. I think uh, for me, one, it's all from a heart of worship. Like everything I do, if it's, if it's a song that is uh, serving a congregation or if it's a song to minister out in the world, or if it's a song that is to encourage Christians, or if it's a song that is um, an instrumental piece or for a movie, it's all from from that David heart, which I, mm-hmm. I've been just so inspired reading the Psalms, you know, because I think David was, you know, he's called in in Hebrew, actually, in, in the original text, they called him the singer of songs. Mm-hmm. And, um, and David was a worshiper and, you know, and he was someone who, who lived one life. And I, this is what I loved about David. Like he, he was the same person wherever he was. If he was on the field, if he was a shepherd or if when he was on the battlefield, um, when he was a warrior or when he was in the palace, when he was King, um, God was always number one in his life. And I think that is something with my songs and, and in my music that I've always been trying to, to remember is it's, it's not really about the genre. It's not really about the style. It's not really about like the chorus or um, the concept really. It's all about the heart. And, and to me, if, if I'm writing for myself or for um, another artist or for a ministry, it doesn't, 
to me, I just want to be obedient to, to the moment and, and serve who I'm writing for and serve the moment. I love that you bring that up. One thing that's always funny to me with, I do a lot of interviews and a lot of work within the rock genre and people Mm -hmm. hear like somebody screaming out these lyrics and they're like, that's satanic. And it's like, actually, that's just aggressive worship. Like yeah. uh, one of the guests that we previously had on, his name is Michael Felker, and he uh, sings or screams for this band called Convictions. And it's like, that's worship music. Totally. It doesn't matter if it's pop. It doesn't matter that's if it's right. EDM, metalcore. All of this can glorify God. Absolutely. And that's the beautiful thing about being unique, because if we weren't unique, life would be pretty boring. And exactly. one thing that I could really appreciate about your songwriting is that you have found this way and God's given you this ability to communicate emotion and vulnerability in such a way that you it's artistic, number one, but you're able to pull in imagery that I couldn't even think of. So like, especially your new single mountains. When I first heard it, I was like, okay, this is going to be soft. And then everything just drops and you blast off into the, I guess you would call it the chorus. Yeah, that's right. I'm like, you got it. It got, it gets explosive and then you go back down and it's unpredictable, which and yeah. country music and a lot of pop, it's very predictable. That's so right. how are you able to use all of these different elements of the song, whether it's the highs or the lows and just make it work so well together and stay on track with the story because you don't get lost like a confusing lost. You get lost in the emotion of the song and that is a craft on its own. So I'm curious to hear, especially the story behind the song mountains and then just going into your songwriting abilities, because it definitely is unique and it's powerful and I've grown to appreciate it so much. Oh, thanks man. That means the world. I mean, that's always been something I've been pursuing with my craft is, is to be excellent, you know, and to really, you know, give my best, give my finest, give that last bit of, of the jar of oil and pour that out, you know, to always do more than what's expected in my songwriting to not just be generic or to just that will do, but to really like, um, you know, speak in, in the language of also our culture. I think that is so important. And I, I love to push the boundaries as well, musically and, and creatively, you know, and, and really speak, a language of, of storytelling, which I think Jesus was the best storyteller ever. I mean, he spoke in parables. He spoke, his sermons were stories. And sometimes we forget that, you know, that we, we um, have been given these gifts of art and creativity um, to communicate his heart. You know, that is, that is why we've been given them, you know, to, to take people by their hand and point them to heaven and, and say there is, there is more, there is a hope, there is a light, um, and there is faith. And that is the message of Mount is saying, if you have, like from Matthew says, like, if you have faith, just that size of the seed of a mustard seed, you can speak to that mountain and say, move, and it shall move. And uh, that was the, that was the first actually um, heartbeat of this song. I was in Israel um, working on a, on a movie that I'm doing actually about David, which is another story, but we can talk about some other time. Oh, yeah. um, it's, it's, it's been an incredible journey, but um, I was holding a mustard seed in my hand in Jerusalem. Someone put it in my hand. They're like, look, John, here's a mustard seed. 
and they put it in my hand and, and Trevor, it was so tiny. Like it was the most tiny little seed. I don't know if you've ever seen one, but it's like, yeah. they're so small. And, and I thought of that scripture in Matthew where it says like, that's how much faith we need. <laughs> Just that tiny little faith is all we need. And, and God can take that little faith and he can bless it and he can multiply it and he can take that and he can move circumstances around. He can change the story. He can change the trajectory. He can move that mountain we're facing, that, uh, that doctor report or that circumstance or whatever it is that we're, we're faced with and, and create a miracle. And that was what I wanted in the music of, of the song too. I wanted it to feel like you said, explosive, like dynamic, where it's like a chorus just comes in and goes, and it just injects you with faith and it injects you with this like feeling of, yes, I can do this. It's not impossible. It's, it's, um, it is possible. Yeah. And, and I felt taking a lyric and taking the music and, and kind of combining these two worlds was really important for me in the creating of this song. So I actually got the Stockholm Symphony Orchestra um, my friend works with them, so I got them to play on the song. So those epic strings you hear is the Stockholm Symphony. And and then I had my friend Elias Kapari, who's one of the top producers uh, mm-hmm. right now in the world. He's just incredible at what he does. We co-produced the song together, and we had it um, mixed in Stockholm and mastered in New York. So I did the vocals in LA. So it was this incredible kind of global collaboration, and it's been so wild to finally see it, you know, come out and seeing it being out there now and like speaking to people and I'm getting messages every day from people saying thank you for this song because it's I needed this song I'm going through this or that and this song has given me life in, in what I'm going through and, and giving me faith so I'm, I'm yeah. really excited about it and it's insane like when you look through the people that had their hand in it you see um not only yourself, but you've got people that worked with Paramore and Haley Williams and et cetera, like on these songs. And it's like, dang, like that is a huge collaboration to even be able to piece together into a single. And people don't realize like when they see a Lauren Daigle song or Chris Tomlin or Jonas Myron, that there are dozens of people that had their hands on these songs and it's like, it's such a collaborative effort. And they're like, man, this person is so talented. And for me, like having a little bit more insight, like over the past few years, and it's like, man, I'm curious to know the team behind it and getting to hear you give like the Stockholm symphony orchestra and all these people credit for what they did in the song to make it what it is, is so humbling. It tells a lot about your character. And one beautiful thing about the song is the video, because aside from the song being such a bold anthem of hope, the video really helps bring the message home for us. And you had quite a few locations for this video that really, just bring it to life. So what was the creative mindset behind the video? What did you want to portray and what do you want people to get from walking away from seeing it? Yeah, I really, first of all, thank you for um, liking that video because it was a lot of work. <laughs> we spent, a it, whole it wasn't week. hard to like the video. It's great. <laughs> thank you. Well, it was, it was truly like a, a sacrifice of praise that one because it was, it was not a easy process to make that video. we, we, you know, could have shot it, you know, in Los Angeles, uh, in a little studio with some mountains, green screen, but of course not. 
of course, I picked the most remote location in the world and went to the mountains of Chihuahua, which is in the north part of Mexico, where you can only get there by first two, you have to take two flights and then you have to drive for hours. And then you come to this spot in Chihuahua, where you have to jump on a train and you take a train through the mountains to get to this place called Divisadero, which uh, we actually shot the cover for the single and um, we shot a lot, a lot of the video there and, and it was lakes, it was trains, it was buses, it was hours of hiking, endless hours of hiking throughout these incredible landscapes. And the reason why I chose to make it so hard for myself is because I felt like this song needs to have a real um, authentic uh video behind it like i didn't want it to feel artificial i wanted me to stand on that mountaintop looking out in one of the biggest mountain ranges in the world uh the copper canyon actually in in this part of mexico is bigger than the grand canyon even it's more more vast and and more high and more deep and when i heard about this location and when the video director said jonas this is one of the most epic landscapes in the world uh he said but it's going to be hard work and it's going to be like waking up at five every morning the whole week to catch the sun. I'll, he was like, it's going to be hard work, but if you're up for it, I am. And I said, okay, dude, let's do it. I want to give my best for this song because um, I believe in this message of the song and, and, and I wanted the story of the video to, to just really take people there, you know, and take people on that journey where they, they just will feel so inspired and, and where they feel like the mountains in their life can also be moved. So we did it and um, it's, it was, you know, a tough week, but it was worth every little moment and every early morning uh, to capture it. That's awesome. And one of the other things that I could tell was very intentional was having the word fear on the TV screen behind you. Yeah. What was the thought process behind putting things that people hopefully are going to overcome while hearing the song or even just start them on that journey. What was yeah. the reference point there? Yeah. Like there, the words doubt and fear kind of just, I'm standing behind this, this, this massive screen. These words are flashing behind me. And, um, and then when the chorus comes, the word changes to love and faith, which is the opposite, you know, faith is the opposite of fear. And um, I think fear is one of the biggest mountains we face in our life. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of the biggest weapons that the enemy throws at us as well uh, on our journeys. Um, because fear can, can be so crippling and fear can, those, the chains of fear can hold us back so much. The fear of man, the fear of, of the future, the fear of the unknown. Um, there are so many, there are so many moments where fear um, can be the biggest mountain and, and, and I wanted to kind of take these words and, and then flip them because what's so powerful about um, when God steps into the room is that he changes the story, you know, like fear turns into faith um, and doubt turns into love. And um, with this song, that was really my prayer was that the song would do that for people that they, when they hear it, they, they would just, that the circumstances would flip and the perspective would flip, you know, and they will go, Oh, actually I'm going to see it from this way, even though it looks 
this situation looks really like a step back, it's actually a step forward. Or even though this circumstance might be really hard, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good. You know, that where we just can take a step and we can look at things from a different perspective. Because I think that is actually what faith is. Yeah. Faith is, is having the, the capacity of looking at, at a situation through God's eyes and through his perspective. And, um, and then we realize what was a mountain is suddenly an opportunity. It's suddenly a beautiful, beautiful perspective and a beautiful view. Yeah. And for a lot of listeners and even things that we've experienced ourselves in life, there's so much fear and anxiousness, depression, Mm. all of these obstacles or mountains in this sense that we have all struggled to just climb over or ask God to move them. Can you recall a time along this journey where you were like, this mountain is too big. I don't think I can do it. I need to step back. And how did God intervene and help you overcome that obstacle? Yeah, I think, I mean, I've had, I feel my life has been full of those moments where, where I'm being like, wow, okay, God, I need you. (laughs) You know, like I, I have had so many moments where I've I've also maybe because I say yes to a lot of crazy challenges in life. I I didn't take the easy path. Like I, you know, I moved to LA, which is one of, I think one of the toughest cities in the world to live in, for example. It's expensive. Exactly. (laughs) And it's, it's not an easy um, place. You know, it's it's a dark, it's a dark town Mm -hmm. with a lot of, craziness um around us but um but i remember someone said the darker the night the stronger the light and um and i've really seen that but i think you know for me the last few years have been very challenging actually um in the beginning of this pandemic my dad actually passed and um to covid in sweden and it was uh an incredibly hard time as you can imagine and probably one of the toughest mountains to face in your life is to lose a parent. Um, and it was extremely quick and, and very unexpected. And I remember my sister called me and she said, Jonas, like um, my dad was already in a home um, and in a care home because he had Alzheimer's disease. And um, my sister called me, she said, Jonas, dad has uh, high fever today. So they called us in and, just to come in to sit with him. And we thought just, we'd just pray for him. And um, I said, absolutely. I'll be on FaceTime with you guys. So I'm, I was in LA on FaceTime and, and we were just talking to dad. And then my sister said, Jonas, why don't you sing dad's favorite song? Uh, that'd be so cool. If you can just sing him a song uh, on the piano. I said, absolutely. I said, dad, you know what? I'm going to sing your favorite song. Uh, um, and I'm going to lead you in worship today, this morning. And um, I sang 10,000 Reasons for him. And, and it, was, it was amazing, Trevor, because it was such, such a peace that came in that moment. I, I remember sitting at the piano and I, I just closed my eyes and I just uh, sang this song that I wrote, you know, all, the, all these years ago um, on the piano in the middle of the night in L.A., for my dad in, in Sweden, at, in his care home. And, and when the second chorus came, I remember I, I, I started shaking, my hands started shaking and I was wondering what was happening. 
in the room, I felt something was, was happening. So I actually finished the song after the second chorus. And, um, and my sister takes the phone. She goes, Jonas, I think dad has gone to the other side. I think he just, he continued singing that song in heaven. And the nurse came in and she says, yeah, he's, he's not here anymore. And um, it was one of the most beautiful, um, and it was a challenging moments, but, but the, the most precious um, time where I felt like I was able to give my dad that moment of his favorite song and, and being led in worship. And he gave him the peace to close his eyes and, and just to let go. And, and it was so precious because it was such a holy moment, you know, and, and, and we know the third verse, uh, in 10,000 reasons. And, you know, I never got even to that third verse, you know, and on that day when my strength is failing, the end draws near, my time has come. Still, my soul will sing your praise unending 10,000 years and then forevermore. So bless the Lord of my soul. And, and my dad got to t- continue that third verse in heaven. His last breath on earth became his first breath in heaven. And, um, and it, it's, it's, it's just been incredible to, to see God's kindness in these moments where you write something um, to be a blessing to others. And then it got to be a blessing to my family and to, to my dad and to my own life. Uh, this song that, this prayer that um, is reminding us of the hope of heaven. Because even though he's, not on this earth anymore or with us. And we've all lost loved ones there. Uh, we're all going to meet again. Um, and he is healed now. He's well. And he's, he's worshiping and, and in, in the place where there is no sickness. There is no fear. Uh, there are no tears. And, and uh, coming back to mountains, you know, like, that's why this song feels so important because me, myself, I walked through this, this um, dark valley of shadows, you know, which David talks about of, of losing a loved one and that journey of grief, which was super hard, obviously for the next few weeks, not been able to travel to Sweden because of the lockdown and because of the um, airspace being closed. Um, I couldn't be with my family. I had to, I had to grieve on my own. And you can imagine that was um, one of the hardest things to do is you just want to be with your family, right? And I was alone in my, in my house in LA, but in the middle of my, um, you know, toughest nights and loneliest nights, I, there was a psalm where it says that God is close to the brokenhearted, that he's near to the one who's crushed in spirit. And um I've read that scripture many times and I thought that's beautiful and that's wonderful, but I have never encountered it like I did after losing my dad and after being um, crushed in spirit myself and literally felt like just a blanket some nights of, of just God's presence being close to me and, and being near and having this sense of like, all is good, all is well my soul like even though i'm broken 
I'm held. Um, even in my loneliness, I'm not alone because he is with me. And, and I got to actually experience, you know, what I write a lot in these songs. I got to minister back to me. I wrote this song called Cornerstone many years ago. And there is this line that says, through the storm, he is Lord, Lord of all. And, and, I, and I really felt that, that in this, in this storm, that I was not alone in the storm, that he was with me and, and, and he was Lord in this time. And, and I think that's maybe why mountains is powerful because, and why speaking to people, because it's, it's, it's sung from a place of, of, of a heart who's, who's been broken. Um, but not defeated, you know, this is the thing, you know, like, and, you know, we are, we are broken vessels, but, um, we were made a charge of clay, but, but he put us together and, and in him. And, and I think in, in faith, we have something which, you know, even the angels are jealous of us because we can sing from, from a place of, of saying like, God, even though I'm broken, I trust you. Even though I don't understand this circumstance, I will worship. I will bless the Lord. I will trust you. I will um, turn up today. Uh, even though maybe, you know, the circumstances says I just want to be home and watch Netflix. Um, but but this journey, the last um, two years for me, um, just come back to your question, has been has really been a been a tough a tough one, but but it's been a beautiful one because I felt I got to experience um, the reality of, of what it is to be a Christian. Actually, what it is to 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 have faith when when the circumstances tell you that um, you know you feel like a mess, you know, and you feel um, and you feel lost some mornings, you know, and you go why did this happen to me? Or why did this happen to my dad? Why, you know, we all have these moments uh, that don't make sense, but there is a peace, you know, and that's promised to us in Philippians. And this, it's a peace that passes all understanding. And it's a peace that it says it guards our hearts and it guards our minds and our thoughts. And, and this, this is the gift of faith. You know, this is the, the actually the gift of what it is to be a Christian is that we get to encounter this in a real way, not just on the good days, but on the hard days and on the, on the stormy days, we get to encounter this, um, this gift. Wow. I can't even begin to grasp what just happened. Hearing the story of him leading his dad in worship and before the third chorus of the song, he went up, shot up to heaven with Jesus. And that's a hard story to share. And apparently this is the first time that's been shared on a public level. So just to be able to help be a part of stewarding that message is beyond encouraging to me. And I hope that you've all gotten something out of this interview. It's not your typical quote unquote interview. In fact, I want to backtrack and take away that I said interview because I'm always like, this is an interview. I'm not a journalist. This is a conversation. And just, man, like, I, 
it's fascinating. It's fascinating the stories that we get to hear in Stewart. And I hope that you all go out and stream Mountains and all of the songs that Jonas has been able to be a part of because they're beautiful. And we've all heard his music without knowing it. Whew. Dang. If you're as speechless as I am, let me know in the comments below. I love you guys so much, and I'm so thankful that you're here with us for this. Be sure to stream Mountains and all the links for Jonas's social media and everything will be in the description below. And I hope that you know that your life has so much purpose and that none of the stories and voices that come through this show have any more power than yours do. You have a voice. You have a purpose. You have a life to live and God's got so many amazing plans for you and I'm not just saying that as a cliche way to close out I'm serious God has a reason for you to be here and he loves you so much and I just want to remind you that in the description below there's going to be resources available to you and the first one being heart support and the second being death to life and I stand by them so much because there's so many people out there struggling with mental health. Sometimes the strongest people in your life are the ones that are suffering the worst. So just remember that you are loved, you have a purpose, and that God has such an amazing purpose for your life, guys. Never forget that, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Goodbye now. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Hear about how Steve Harvey surprised a dying man on Family Feud with $25,000. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hard-working pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com or search Story Behind on your favorite podcast platform.